You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Can you take the sky from me? You absolutely cannot, because we're talking about Firefly today on Systematic Geekology. We are the priests of the geeks. I'm your host today, Christian Ashley, and I have, am, of course, joined by the best Lutheran pastor in the entire world. I mean, he's no no TJ. It's not his fault. None of us can get to that level. But I am joined by Will Rose. How are you doing, Will? Oh, Christian, I'm very, very excited to be here to talk about this. Let me just add this to our um, our little discussion here. Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stay. Mm. I'm still free. So yeah, I'm just gonna add. I'm just gonna add that to our discussion. I don't know if uh, if Josh wants to add that in. <laughs> add it in. <laughs> we can copyright Copyright. <laughs> we get flagged somewhere. But yeah, yeah, I'm excited about about our episode today. And uh, as, I feel like it's been a little while since I've done. No, we we hung out and podcasted live in person together. But as far as oh, like yeah. hopping on the computer and talking about like some sci-fi and stuff together, I feel like it's been a moment. So glad to be here today to discuss uh, one of my favorite shows that was uh, canceled way too early. Absolutely. Well, well, one of the stuff that we've been geeking out on recently, like what have you, what have you been going through, Will? Uh, I um, I'm pretty excited for summer. Like we just wrapped up the the university just um, got done with with their students for the regular semester, and they're in the summer school. And my kids came home from college, and they're going off to work at camp. But but it's warming up outside. Uh, the the summer movies are here. The blockbusters are right around the corner. I'm just geeking out on summer, warmer weather, warmer ocean water, uh, going surfing, beach trips, uh, hanging out outside, all, all those kinds of things. So yeah, I'm I'm geeking out on summer and and all that goes along with it, all the all the geek stuff and the fun beach stuff and all that goes along with the season of summer. All the great waves too. Uh, yeah, sometimes summer can get real flat on the East Coast because it gets hot. And but uh, you know, hurricane season is right around the corner. And not that I wish hurricanes on anybody, but when you have <laughs> big weather systems out in the Atlantic, that's what causes waves. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, as for me, uh, after having watched Evil Dead Rise not too long ago, I finally got inspired. I had never watched Ash versus Evil Dead, which uh, I can't remember. Where, I think it was on Stars or something like that back in the day. Mm-hmm. So finally got into watching that. I just started season three because there's only like 10 episodes a season and I am loving it. Uh, it's it's that typical horror comedy you're going to get from the Evil Dead franchise. Uh, yeah. A lot of good fun. Not what I would recommend for younger viewers, especially. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm all in it to win it. So, yeah, that's it for what we've been geeking out on. Let's get to the main topic of discussion today, and that, of course, being Firefly, one of the greatest single uh, season runs that has ever been on television and a great movie. But we're not discussing the movie today. We may save that mm-hmm. for later on to talk about Serenity. But, Will, would you like to explain to the good people what Firefly is if they somehow don't know? Yeah, this this fandom has been around a long time. We're not the first to talk about it or geek out about it, but I'm glad that Systematic Geekology gets to uh, spend some some time and attention to one of the favorite sci-fi fandoms that are out there with, with a bunch of geeks. And if you hang out at a Comic-Con or other areas, you'll see people dressed up as brown coats and as Firefly cosplay uh, characters and, and things of that nature. So so yeah, we're talking about Firefly, and this is the 2002 Fox TV show uh, created by Joss Whedon. We know that Joss Whedon um, has had some problems as of late in terms of his um, 
you know, geek cred or, or cancelability, but, but yeah, that he was coming off the heels of the popularity of Buffy. And, and, um, so he did a sci-fi Western space opera with similar kind of characters and banter. And it, it hit Fox in 2002. Uh, it went 11 episodes and, uh, was canceled really early by Fox, um, mm-hmm. at that time. And Fox was known at that time when it became, this is, you know, guys, this is guys and gals, this is what before like even iPhones and podcasts and streaming uh you know the internet's there but but in terms of like episodes on TV networks and appointment television that you had to you know pull up a chair when it was being played on that particular night at that particular time uh, whatever they saw in their algorithms and the money that they were paying Fox said nope we need to cut it and so they had 14 episodes shot and cut it early but with this show um that is again a, a space western set in twenty five seventeen, uh, and and it's uh, wars, it's rebels, it's um, uh, outlaws, it's it's a western. You have all different kind of character, spirituality, all those things are kind of caught up within this this TV show. And um, yeah, when it was canceled, oh, here comes the DVDs, here comes the cult following, here comes the people who love it and uh, are, I guess. They also, the fans of this show were also felt like they were justified because they're kind of like an underground rebellion group who loves it. And they thought that it should, you know, the message board started emerging. <laughs> they were like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're true fans. Um, and then eventually here comes the, the streaming services and that kind of thing. And, and eventually it was made into a movie. Was it rumors of it being brought back, but then eventually it was made into, to a full length, uh, movie, but. But yeah, that that's Firefly, and we'll talk more about the characters here in a little bit. But um, I was introduced in in 2002 is the year that my daughter was born, and I remember, uh, you know, in terms of taking care of a kid and trying to get it to sleep and trying to figure out the new routine in my life. I uh, remember stumbling upon this show and going, "Hey, pretty cool! A, a new sci-fi kind of TV show that's similar in the same vein of like." Star Trek and others, we have this kind of band of people, different characters on a on a ship, um, trying to make their way through the universe. I'll give it a shot and and liked it, but just with too many distractions, didn't really focus in on it until later on. And people were like, "Oh, you never finished watching Firefly? Here are the DVDs. Oh, you need to follow this. If you like Star Wars, you like Star Trek, you like sci-fi, you will love this show." So um, I was there, and then really excited when the when the movie came out. Um, but but how about how about you, Christian? Um, how were you introduced to the show and, and, uh, what are, what's your fandom around it? Yeah, I got in it late comparatively speaking. Um, that was around when I graduated from high school eons ago when the world was young, uh, 2009, uh, a friend of mine, Todd, who was about to ship off to join the army Rangers and said, Hey man, uh, I'm going to leave home and do all this stuff, you know, with army, but I want you to take some of my stuff cause I can't take it with me. So he said, especially I want you to watch this show. And nice. he brought up Firefly. And he, get, he also gave me the Serenity DVD. So I watched it my, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, my freshman year of college. It's like, why did I miss out on this? I had never once heard of this show before. I guess I was just in all the wrong places. And it just blew me away. The the characters, the, the setting, the world building. Uh, it's like, yes, draw me in more. Oh, wait, there's only one season and a movie. That's yeah. not fun. <laughs> exactly. And and yeah, as as us being um 
comic book fans, like they, they really did. They're, they're definitely graphic novels and comics too. that are still going on yes. that, that build out and, and draw out this world a little more. So, so you have one season, uh, a movie, but you also have some graphic novels and comics out there that kind of build upon, uh, the story and the characters and, and fill in some gaps, uh, for, for the fans that are out there. But, but yeah, it's, it is one of those things. It's like, Oh, Fox snuffed it out pretty fast. And then, and then you're like, why doesn't it get spread around? Well, well, they didn't give it a shot. They didn't do it. And yeah. I executive, I mean, Fox knew at that time. I don't know if you're a fan of Arrested Development, but they kind of did the same mm-hmm. thing with Arrested Development, like oh, yes. canceled it way too early. That show is probably ahead of its time in terms of its comedy <laughs> and what it was trying to do. And, and, but here was another kind of um, sci-fi show thrown up there with, with Joss's, um, you know, humor and characters and um, character development that I think, um, yeah, it, it just, yeah, at that time, it was a different, it was a different time and how you viewed and did things before social media, before streaming, before any of those things. So it had to kind of grow underground in, in the Comic-Cons and the, in the geek, the geek circles and the DVDs being passed around saying, Hey, you need to check out this show if you didn't know it. Cause that was kind of me too. I remember seeing it back then, but then my church in South Carolina, there were some, when we started God Loves Geeks and, and started talking about the things we were geeking out on, someone handed me the DVDs and said, you need mm. to watch this and finish this sitting outside down and just blaze through it we we binged it on dvd before there was binging on streaming services <laughs> was this your introduction to, to joss's work yeah i was never a big buffy fan like i knew of buffy and I, I knew how popular it was but i was not like an ongoing like you know um viewer of that show or a fan of that show i, I knew it in the background i knew how popular it was but then um you know it, Later on the recommendations, I'll, I'll recommend like he started writing some X Men comics. Oh, and they're yeah. like, oh, the the uh, the writer of Buffy and the creator of um, uh, Firefly is is now on uh, this this X Men book. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. And and loved his style and um, of writing and comedy along with seriousness and, and depth that are that is there. Um, just quick wit and those things, the way he characterizes people, I, I really, I really enjoyed. And so when I stumbled upon this show, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is right up my alley in terms of beloved characters. Yeah. This was also my introduction to his work. I watched Buffy in college and Angel as well and Dollhouse and all that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, what a great introduction to what he used to be known for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We won't, we won't focus primarily on that. Right. 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 Let's get into the meat of the matter. Like, uh, do you have a favorite episode from Firefly? And like, why do you think it is your favorite? I'll, I'll be honest. It's been a long time since I've seen the episode. So an episode does not jump out at me as much as the memory of the characters and how they interacted with one another mm-hmm. and the, the tension between the two. So you have Malcolm, the captain, with the tension of Shepherd Book, who is like the priest or the pastor. And so that shepherd of this kind of or, or, or the, the, the tension between those two characters of like, this world doesn't matter. I have going through PTSD and uh, through war and it's a hard world and the world doesn't care about me. That guy. Um, and, and I just want to make money and, and do what I can to get through this universe. There's no real purpose to any of this to ship a book, bring in a spirituality and like, maybe there's mm-hmm. a greater, greater good out there that we could be drawn to. And then the, you have the sexual tension uh, between <laughs> and, and, and Simon, you know, that, yes. that uh, um, and then the, 
mystery around River. Um, and, and who is she and what was she genetically engineered for or done to or what kind of weapon is she? I think the tension between the characters is what drew me to this show that I love so much. And, and so particular episodes, I, I need to go back and watch it. Um, I know it was on Netflix for a while, but now it's, it's not, but it's on, I guess it's on Hulu. It's on Amazon, a couple other streaming services. You can find it out there, but um, I need to go back and watch each episode. Uh, but really the characters is what stands out for me. How about, how about you, Christian? What's is there an episode that, that really jumps out for you? It is hard. It's been a while since I've watched the show. So I definitely had to look up on Wikipedia, like remember, okay, this episode, this happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't know if I have a singular one. I mean, I might give it to uh, the last episode, which would be when they're attacked by Jubal Early, the the bounty hunter. Yeah. And to see them work together as a team, see him like systematically take them down. And we get a little more of river in there as well. Mm -hmm. I really like that one. I, I definitely, I'd also kind of give it to Janestown where we get a bit more into him, isn't it? Yes, that was a good one. Yep, Jane is a yeah. character, a Baldwin brother that's in this movie. And, oh, yes. uh, um, you know, again, it's the slow reveal of who these characters are. They're all brought together mm. uh, on the ship, and then you don't know much of their backstory. But along the way, each episode it reveals a little bit more. You're learning along who these people are, along with the characters on the show. So you're right. You learn more about Jane um, in Janestown. Oh, yes. But I, if I have to give an answer, you know, gun to my head, I guess I'll say War Stories, which is where we kind of get more into the wash and, uh, mm. oh gosh, uh, Zoe, like mm-hmm. marriage and like, why did she choose him? How much she loves him? And like, you get that great scene at the end where uh, Wash is like up against Mal, like, hey, uh, she never disobeys you. And he said, yes, she did. She married you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. A great, great episode there. All right. So beyond that, we've already talked about characters. I mean, do you have a favorite from the show there? You know, I mean, it would be cliche for for the minister and the pastor to pick uh, Shepherd Book, but but he he was so good. Um, God rest his soul. The guy who played him is is no longer with us. He died a few years back. But um, Shepherd Book is such a such a cool character, and it is like a vague spiritual religious. Person. They're they're not necessarily yeah. Christian it's not Christianity. or Buddhist. It's not Christianity. It's is you know it's, it's it, it leans into kind of like a vague uh, uh, spirituality and religion, but that to acknowledge there 500 years later that religion hasn't gone anywhere, uh, that there's still people out there as priests. I think uh, Joss is, is known to us say that he wanted to create a show that has like nine characters that sees the universe uh, in nine different ways. Mm-hmm. And so when they all come together on the, on the same ship, you know, similar to other you know, sci-fi, you know, tropes or, or Star Trek, you have all these different characters on the same ship and they got to learn how to work together. But I think Shepard book is good. Um, the memes around uh, Malcolm, you know, are out there is, is so good. I, I really loved um, uh, Kaylee. I, th- I think okay. she, you know, she was, uh, she had this innocence to her and like zest for life, but also like really, you know, had a crush on Simon and was like, really like, all right, you know, come on, you're like, <laughs> let's get it on. Uh, but then, but then also like super smart and a mechanic mm-hmm. um, who could fix the ship. You know, I, I, I think it's, I, I really thought her character was was really cool and brought kind of a levity to to the show um, in the midst of of dealing with you know a harsh universe uh, of where where it was going where it was headed. I, I really liked her. She she always brought a smile to my face when she came on on the screen. 
Well, if it's stereotypical for you to choose Shepherd Book, it's very stereotypical for the seminary student to do the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's my number one. I mean, especially, I mean, we don't get everything in the show, obviously, of him. And there's some graphic novels that fill some stuff in. So if you don't like to be spoiled about stuff like that, I know I have a friend out there who uh, specifically doesn't read the extra material because then it feels like Firefly is still real. Like uh, he can fill in the gaps himself, which Mm -hmm. as someone who hates ambiguity, I've mentioned it before, (laughs) it like drives me insane. He would ever do this, but to each their own, I guess. I mean, I suppose God loves him too. And... (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to you, Cameron. Um, so, uh, Shepherd Book. Uh, like I said, spoilers. If you haven't read some of those novels, it's like you learn that he was this agent, uh, a double agent, working uh, sometimes for the Alliance, sometimes for the Brown Coats, sometimes for other people. And he essentially he killed the person who his he took that name from that person because they look kind of similar. And that whole idea of this is who I used to be. A lot of people died because of me. I hurt a lot of people. Let me do something better with my life. Mm. I really resonate with that. So I really appreciate what they were doing, what they were hopefully going to do in the show as well with him. Mm-hmm. But uh, actually, you you talking about Kaylee, too, kind of made me realize I had unintentionally, like in hindsight, I can definitely see like, oh, my gosh, this is so obvious. How did I not know this? I've made a, a, a gnome artificer for D&D that is essentially her. Like this bright, bubbly person surrounded by a bunch of edgelords sometimes in that party because I'm like the one person without a tragic backstory. (laughs) So I really appreciate her a lot. Uh, River's always a bunch of fun. Mm -hmm. I I wish we'd gotten more from Jane because there's hints that there's a lot more to him than what we just see on the surface level. Like he's just lazy on purpose and he could be way better if he actually applied himself. And of course, it's hard to go wrong with Mal or Zoe or, or Wash. Like there's a lot of good people to choose from and that's a Mm -hmm. a sign of a really good series. So yeah, having a hard time answering these is a good thing. Yeah. And I think why the show had so much potential and why people grieved like that it was cut short is that like there, there were these characters you beloved, you want to know, you wanted to get them, you wanted to get to know them better and deeper. And the show never allowed that to happen, to go on. Like we are in a different age now. I mean, back then you would just get a show and you just let it run for as many seasons as you could run it dry. You know, Mm -hmm. these days people like, all right, we're going to do three seasons because we want to know we have a clear ending um, in sight and and written down. We want to know where the story is going with a clear ending at some point, not just drag along for forever and ever. And uh, this show might have might have done that. It might have gone on for twelve seasons, or maybe it just gone for five until it ran out of gas. But I think um, the the grieving was like oh, we like all these characters. All of them have like interesting stories and er- interesting characteristics, and the way they banter with each other on this ship. We want to know more about their backstory and kind of see where they're headed. Is there a redemption arc for Malcolm? Will he find hope again in the universe? Will um, what what will happen? And so we find out some of that in the movie. There's some tragedy yeah. in the movie. We won't spoil that. It, it is another episode. I think we should. That'd be a good man. That'd be good. For a driving episode because it's mm. not a, it's a fr- non-franchise it didn't have like well i don't know we'll talk to joshua whether that one counts or not but that would be a, um you know and more about about the movie because it does fill in some gaps and it shows you more what's going on on the big screen but yeah i think that's part of the why why people like this show so much it didn't get maybe maybe that the tease of of not sharing an more of the story didn't it didn't stick around long enough to piss people off maybe that was part of the <laughs> well, it, it didn't help either from what i understand from researching some of this stuff is that when it originally aired they aired a lot of episodes out of order 
Yeah. So you didn't have a lot of the context going on. So that threw some people off because the, the Fox executives had like a specific plan they wanted for the series. They meddled a ton yeah, in the development the of this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, you know, sometimes you need executives to meddle. Like they are trying to bring out a product. That's not their fault. They, they have that job for a reason. But then sometimes they just need to shut up and let creatives do their work. Yeah. So yep. how that works, I don't know. I'm not in their position. I'm not make, making that money. But what I can talk about is that uh, part of like the world building we get for this show is like that Earth itself is essentially no more. Like there's some stuff in the graphic novels they get a little, a little more into depth for like show specifically. Mm-hmm. It's referred to as Earth that was. That's mm-hmm. a haunting phrase, number one. I don't want there to be an Earth that was. Um, I mean, one of my favorite shows as well, uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. It's uh, an 80s, 90s uh, anime uh, where Earth is essentially like this backwater planet and we don't care about it anymore. That kind of like, wow, that kind of someone who's raised on this planet gets me a little uppity (laughs) to an extent. But like, uh, can you, Pastor Will, see a scenario where Earth ends up like this, this barren wasteland, no one goes there? Like, mm-hmm. what will we do in this scenario? Like, as, when it comes to aligning, like, what we have with Scripture that speaks of the end of days occurring on Earth and this whole thing. I know I asked, like, 50 different questions there, like, rescue me from this. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think when you start talking about the what's the future of mankind? <laughs> what's, what's the future of humans? What's the future of our earth? That's a lot of the conversation when we talk about um, uh, climate change. We talk about terraforming. We talk about space ex- exploration where we are sending out satellites and things out there um, to, to look for habitable planets or other species, intelligent life. We had a whole ep- couple episodes on, on aliens and how would we oh, act yeah. and react? I mean, if you think about, um, you know, just 500 years ago in terms of like, putting ships out to sea and finding new lands. Uh, we're, we're in the kind of that age now where we're uh, putting ships out to space, looking for new lands and new places. So, and you think about how much we progressed over the last hundred years, I can imagine in, in 500 years, which is when this show takes place, 2,500, 2,517 or something like that, then we could be at a place 500 years from now where maybe we have discovered other planets that are habitable, very, very earth-like and we terraform it and, and use it because we've ruined this planet because we've done so much to this planet in terms of um, uh, depleting its resources or, or nuking each other out or whatever we do to each other that, that perhaps we need to look somewhere else. And it grieves me because, yeah, why don't, before we look for other places, why don't we take care of home now? Why don't, why don't we clean up our house before we're looking for a new one? Like that, let, let's do that. But, but I, I do think that it's, um, uh, it's definitely possible to think about um, and, and in terms of end times, I mean, yeah, we, uh, we just read in, um, in church uh, this past week in an electionary that that the ascension of our Lord when the disciples are like is now the time Lord and he's like by the end the end of times and the times and places you will not know don't worry about mm-hmm. that in fact go be my disciples out in the world I'll come back one day but for now um, go act like me the book of Acts is about time to act like Jesus right and so yes um, so we don't know the time and so in the meantime in the meantime, with the time that we do have and be given, uh, let, let's take care of our neighbor and community and our earth. And and yeah, we can still explore. Maybe there's a whole universe out there we're called to go and explore and think through um, and and not colonize or 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 exploit. But maybe we could be good neighbors 
to other people out there. And I think that show leans into it too. As much as the show evolves and talks about how evolved humanity has become or not become, there's still war. There's still a civil war among the Alliance (laughs) and and the Browncoats and and how they're acting and um, with one another. And there's still war. There's still the human condition and and brokenness around that. So no matter how technologically advanced we become and explore um, other planets, guess what? We still got to wrestle with our own selves in the human condition mm. and our and our broken nature. So we still have that to wrestle with no matter how far we run out to space. Yeah, I'll second a lot of that. Um I definitely I see a scenario where this could possibly happen where you know, like we just ruined this planet enough and we have to flee. Mm-hmm. Like um I see unregulated companies just pumping out whatever they want, ruining the soil around them, ruining the water around them, the air around them without a care in the world because they're making a profit. You know, it's, it's just a fact of life right now. And there are things we could be doing a lot better. I mean, we are called to be stewards of this earth. We are called to protect the earth, not to, you know, exploit it for our own means, but to, you know, work it with what God has created to help us, to benefit us ultimately, because, I mean, animals aren't sapient. Sorry for all my friends out there who believe so. Uh, uh, you know, jury's out on like dolphins and octopuses and the like, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, as far as what we know, we're the only sapient life form in existence. And God has called us to protect the world. We got to do better. Yeah, but, I, I believe in an entanglement among on creatures, no matter how, you know, I just coming off watch Guardians of the Galaxy, there's higher life forms and lower life forms, but we're mm-hmm. all entangled with one another and, and called to be good stewards of each. Um, um, so, so I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm along with you there. I, I think that um, there could be an arc scenario. There could be another arc scenario. We have to build some kind of space arc and, and find another place because we've, we've done something to our, ourselves. Um, and, you know, in that arc scenario of um, Noah, however you interpret that story, um, all God's creature were, were put on that. And, and so, yes. um, and there is a, a, an element of like, we're all on this together. Um, and so uh, we could go deeper into that story and what that means. But yeah, who knows? Maybe there's another scenario where we build some kind of space arc and we need to go somewhere. And, and take care of uh, even ticks and snakes and uh, spiders, along with humans um, and and the higher life form, which are uh, canines and dogs. Yeah. As far as the last <laughs> question I asked, um, that's one of those questions I asked to my my more uh, end times focused people out there. That's one of my favorite books is Revelation. It's one of those things you never know what's going to happen. You don't understand. It, it, there, there is no answer that we have concrete for exactly how things are going to go. And that's written by design. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there are places like mentioned, like by name, we got Megiddo, we got Israel and stuff like that. Like there are places that's going to happen in. So if this happens, you know, well, who's to say we don't name a planet Megiddo somewhere along the way. Yeah. And oh, that's where yeah. the climactic battle happens. That's right. where the beast uh, rallies his forces, what have you. Like I, I, I write that a little tongue in cheek, but like, I, that is something I think about in series like this. We've expanded beyond our planet. How does that work in light of what scriptures does say? So I think we've been on a little enough about that. So let's move on to the next focus I want to kind of give, which is uh, while I was doing a lot of research here, I learned something I didn't know. And that's the fact that, yeah, one of uh, Whedon's big inspirations for Mal specifically was like this idea of former soldiers of the Confederacy, like being on the losing side of a war mm-hmm. and just them, they're not able to find a purpose anymore in life. And another inspiration was Jewish resistant fighters, especially those uh, to the, uh, excuse me, east of Germany, 
who fell under the thrall of uh, the Iron Curtain of the USSR. And all all the things they fought for essentially gained nothing. Like, uh, how do we think this idea of the former believer of the lost cause is handled in the show? Yeah, I think it's it's one of the one of the strong points of the show because I mean, yeah, he is kind of a Han Solo uh, re- rebel uh, kind of character that's out there, you know, just need to find a n- next job so he can make some money and then find a crew and just so he can move on to the next one. That that's his purpose. There's no real moral arc to him, greater purpose because he lost that. He he saw the war. He fought for something, lost, was betrayed, um, has some PTSD and trauma around that, and so yeah. He's going to look at the universe through the lens of this sucks. Um, there, there is. I, I've gone through pain. I've seen people die. Uh, we lost, or or I was betrayed, and and so why why should I care anymore if I'm only going to get hurt? If this is only going to happen, seeing the worst of what humanity can do to each other. So he's wrestling with that side along with others who perhaps have a different perspective. But I think that's one of the the strongest strongest part of that, to see like his reaction to the universe and people feeling sorry for him when he acts that way. Uh, Like, why can't you have some hope? Why can't you love a little? Why can't you um, um, find a family? Why can't you settle down? Why can't you find uh, a moral arc to the universe? And he's like, (laughs) no, uh, because, because of what he's experienced is, is hard for him. So he, he's working that out. And I think, yeah, there's a lot of people in our world who wrestle with the same thing. And, and that's what sci-fi does. It puts you in a different, uh, scenario or sandbox, maybe in a future setting or a different, um, environment so that, uh, the same questions that we all wrestle with can be wrestled with in kind of a, a new way or, an, or have a fresh take on that to help us work out our, our own kind of indifference or cynicism around uh, what we experience in the world. Yeah. I'll second that too. I mean, specifically with Mal, where he's concerned, I think this is handled extremely well as that man who he had purpose once in his life. Mm-hmm. That was, I got to fight with the independents. I'm going to, you know, there's this grand cause we have and we're going to be the ones we're winning the end and our cause is righteous. Let's get it done. Oh no, we lost everything. I believed in the shattered that support system no longer exists. What do I do with my life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of directionless, uh, directionlessness in him. And you see him along the way, like, oh, how do I interact with people anymore? Like, can I est- establish this pseudo family on this ship and like get close to them or am I going to lose them too? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. With, yeah, Anara, it's like, well, do I have feelings for this woman and pursue a relationship with her, or do I just be snarky all the time and put her down for what she does? And you know, <laughs> so I don't get hurt again. Yeah, that defense mechanism, so I don't get so I don't get hurt again. Yeah, yeah. That's a full display. Full display. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. It's like why why should I care? Why should I invest in this relationship if it's only gonna lead to pain? Or, or brokenness or, or betrayal again. And I, I think it lifts up again, like the topic of how we treat our own veterans. You know, even if we don't believe in a particular war or if we like, oh, I think that's a wrong war in the first place, still there's people and human beings who are in the midst of it when they come back or we, we, how do we take care of them? Um, how do we get them the, the help they need and, or the therapy they need or, or give them a different kind of purpose, um, new kind of purpose? Um, and their environment and relationships and, and family. So I think I think all that all that comes into play in, in a silly sci-fi TV show. There was only eleven episodes long on on TV. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Yes. I mean, even like for someone like Simon too, he used to believe in the system mm-hmm. and how it worked in the core worlds and the alliance. And then suddenly, you know, oh no, this personally affects me, and I got to go out and do something. Sometimes that's what it takes for people to realize, you know, things are wrong is when it actually affects you. And yeah. I see people all the time disparage that way of thinking. It's like no, like they got the realization. It doesn't kind of matter when. Mm-hmm. Like embrace them as part of the cause now, you know, just because uh, what's the, um, the parable where the workers start at one point in time, the master pays the same amount to people who come later in the day and then later in the day. Yeah. The parable like, it doesn't workers, matter. Workers when the they show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it hit close to home for Simon, right? Because they're messing with his sister, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I believe in the system. I believe uh, what what's going on. I'm, I'm all in with, with this kind of toxic system or whatever. And then, oh, it's affecting my sister. Oh, they did something to her. What's going on here? No, no, sorry. I can't believe in this anymore because it literally is affecting my own family and my own blood. So, so I, something's got to change here. Uh, and so again, that's is that um, the, what I like about the show and him and, and Rivers. They want to keep secrets or they don't want to reveal everything because they're scared. But they're also running from something. But they also have to, at some point, face it and and be honest. How do you earn the trust among the people on the ship so that they can help take care of one another? Um, yeah, yeah. All that goes into the dynamics of our our relationships, all of relationships. Mm. Oh yeah. So I mentioned earlier that one of the inspirations were was uh, Confederate soldiers like leaving, like they had this common cause. Now, obviously there is a lot of racial baggage there that is in the midst of that decision. Like should a writer like ever gain inspiration from a cause like that for something they can do for a character for a different show? Yeah. I mean, I think it's part of history. I think you, you history, um, I, I think we need to wrestle with it and we think through it. I don't think we should ignore it. Um, I think um, if you can take inspiration from it, um, it depends on where, how, how that inspiration is taking shape or what yeah. you're inspired by. Are you inspired by the Civil War because you wanted the South to win? Well, okay, you have, I have questions about that one. Uh, if you're taking inspiration in terms of like the human dynamics of what soldiers are put through and then post-war um, trauma or, or purpose, um, yeah, there, there's definitely this, this particular – sci-fi tv show is wrestling with literally a civil war that happened there now it wasn't over like uh slavery and and those kinds of things but there's definitely you know to think about what the soldiers went through before during and after um i think is is legit something to to resolve look at history to see how that's unfolded and then how that could um take place now because there's there's things yeah while while slavery is not a reality within our country now, but there's still um, systemic racism. There's still a, a war going on in Ukraine and what what's going on over there and people who are fighting for or against, or maybe because they're just fighting for Russia because that's all they know. Do they want to or not to? What, what are the pressures amidst all that? There's Those dynamics are still unfolding in our world as we record this episode. Yeah, yeah, bringing up the Russian-Ukraine war is a very good parallel here in that regard. It's like, I'm sure the vast majority of the Russian soldiers fighting right now, number one, didn't really understand everything going in. And then two, they kind of don't want to be there anymore mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. everything they're doing. Like, uh, there's desertions all the time. There's people fleeing because, like, that's not what I signed up for. I mean, even going back to the Confederate side of things, you look at history, like, how could you not learn from that? Why would you ignore this and say, well, we can't speak about it because it was bad. (laughs) That's not how the world works. 
because mm-hmm. bad things are going to happen again. I mean, you see things like, uh, I mean, just after the war, we had the Ku Klux Klan arrive because it was created because a bunch of Confederate veterans were like, okay, they took this away from us, but we're not going to go down without a fight. And that was the exact wrong thing to do. Hmm. But that happened because of everything going on. If you don't understand the totality of that situation, we just say, oh, well, they're they're just racist. And like, sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100%. They are very racist. But like they had a reason. That's not a good reason. Once again, let me preface that a lot. But they they had a reason for doing it, and they thought they were being disenfranchised. And then we see Mal does the exact opposite of that. He could have definitely, you know, started some raider gang somewhere to get back at the alliance and say, "Oh, uh, uh, you you wronged us." It's like because I don't think the alliance is necessarily analogous to the union in this scenario. Right, right. But I mean, you look like now the rise of neo-Nazi ideas coming into people and mm-hmm. white nationalism. And you say, well, we defeated that when we defeated Hitler in 1945. It's like, no, you didn't you know, kill racism that day. You didn't kill the idea of white supremacy that day. You stopped mm-hmm. it, which is a very good thing. But then we just kept allowing these ideas of like, well, it's gone now, so we'll never have to worry about it again. Yeah, the whole kind of the sentiment of like, uh, we can't we just move on? Can't we just move on? Uh, like we've done that. Can't can't we just move on? And you're like, no, no, no. There's still still things going going down and and systems that are in place and and ideology that, that we need to wrestle with. And so the whole like, yeah, we're not gonna go down. Man, we could go down a rabbit hole of like. <laughs> um, like books, banned books, and and taught and not taught, and mm. being felt uncomfortable or not, all the all those things. But I think, um, wasn't wasn't Malcolm like wanted though? Wasn't that ship like on the wanted list? Like he was definitely like an outlaw. Um, yeah. So they are always nervous when they bumped up against an alliance ship and and soldiers. Like they are they were on the run, and not only because they were on getting a job to get paid or smuggle or do illegal things, but, but there's also, they're on some list somewhere. Um, but, but yeah, it's like, what are we running from? And sometimes I feel like in this conversation, when it comes to like systemic racism, white supremacy and, and, and those kinds of things, or what books we're going to read or not read, because I feel uncomfortable. It's kind of like, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe because um, we can't just bury it. Uh, we we got to face it. You know, what are we running from? What are we scared of? And again, it, it does boil down to, to trust, authenticity, um, th- those kinds of things when it comes to, to relationships, but how do we build that too? And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what we're doing with Systematic Ecology. We're trying to create a wider audience so we have these conversations um, mm-hmm. and regardless of how you, how you vote. But but yeah, I think there's some deep questions we need to wrestle with and face and not run from. And um, yeah, um, that, that comes into play. That comes into play. All right. Well, let's go on to a different topic, a wildly different topic, I might add. Like uh, I mentioned in our earlier, I, I think you did before me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like uh, another facet that the show kind of has is uh, essentially legalized prostitution through the companions. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what are our feelings on the legitimacy of this? Like, considering what scripture has to say on marriage and relations and stuff like that. <laughs> Christian is bringing it. So we're not only talking about like <laughs> civil war and slavery. He's bringing in prostitution and sex to this. All right, Christian, here we go. Yeah. All right. No, I think this show, you know, as, as short a run as it had, um, and it's a sci-fi TV show, people are on a ship with different relationships and different, you know, male and female hanging out on the same ship. You, you're going to have issues of, of relationships and family and friendships and sexuality as, as well. Um, so yeah, I think, um, in, in other sci-fi, um, genre, uh, 
you know, fandoms wrestle with that too. So this is, this is no different, but they, Josh brings up to the point, he was known at this time, especially uh, for um, kind of po- with Buffy and post Buffy. And then into this known as having strong female characters and uh-huh. being on the side of, of um, feminism. And, and like, he's a male feminist, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm going to, the, you see how he writes comic book characters, the strong, strong leading voice. So I think part of that leaning into like, normalizing prostitution and companionship to say like sex workers are are liberated in a sense that um they're not going to be exploited but they're going to take power of their own and use it in a way that's empowering rather than than like exploitative so that i think that's an element that he's playing around with and later on there's been some actresses and and others who have said that maybe joss isn't as um uh, feminist as, as he claimed mm-hmm. to be, maybe he's covering up some things. Maybe he's over, um, um, overreaching because he didn't want people to find out other things. I don't know. I don't know those whole stories. You can look on that on another thing, but I think that's what he was getting at. 500 years later in the future, perhaps we've evolved in a sense where we see sex, prostitution, sex workers in a different way. Maybe we have evolved more by them, but I still think it's still holds up a mirror and it still forces us to ask the questions, what are our views on sexuality and sex and the purpose behind it? Is it just um, a part of my like human appetite that I need to like quench uh, as a human being? Or is there something deeper there that I think scripture and faith and faith communities lift up that, that this has something deeper to do with trust and family and, and marriage and commitment and covenants that, 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 that is, that is what we need to um, I guess, think through and and ask about so so yeah i guess at the time it was pretty edgy in 2002 to talk about <laughs> oh my gosh uh this she's not a prostitute she's a companion and and there's a little bit of that kind of stigma in the show too they kind of oh aren't you just someone who like hired out to have sex with guys but they're like no there's something deeper here where she talked about it's a legitimate like vocation uh but i yeah i i think this particular TV show lifts that up a little bit or tries to go down that road. And I think there is room within our faith communities, obviously, to talk about what is the purpose and meaning of sex. We're talking to people, um, our teens or people of any age, what what is the true purpose and nature of, of sex, of sexuality, of companionship, family, those kinds of things. So I've rambled long enough, but those are some of the things that come to my mind that I think this show lifts up to the surface that I think are legitimate questions to wrestle with. Ramble on, Will. Yeah, yeah. Um, Led Zeppelin. Woo. What, what about you, Christian? What, <laughs> what does this bring to? Um, you're you're a little bit more conservative than me when it comes to sexuality and yes. and and at your particular seminary where you're going and tradition. But but I, I, it's a great question and I'm glad that we can have the conversation. What is something you you enjoy this show when that comes when that topic comes up to the surface? What um what does it draw out for you or what questions does it force you to wrestle with? I mean, my initial reaction forever ago when I was uh, not exactly sheltered, but not, not exactly far away from that either, was uh, confusion and being upset and a little bit of revulsion. Mm-hmm. Now that I've grown up a bit, it's like, okay, I see what you're going for here, especially as that talk has become more popular of, you know, we should legalize prostitution. And instead of prostitution, we, I'm glad you said it before me, uh, you said sex work. And yeah. that's trying to create a new term for something that has been used for thousands of years to try and make it look like it's okay. And I am very much against that idea. I mean, you can argue, and I think there's an argument behind it, that if this is legalized, you can organize things uh, to where more than likely 
that you know, bad things won't happen to the prostitutes involved. Safer, safer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still, it's still sin. It's outside the confines of marriage. And once again, uh, this is not just their fault. They're not the only ones sitting here. It takes two to tango, as they say. Mm -hmm. So uh, you get to the Jesus and the adulterous woman, like, well, they got her out. Where was the guy? Yeah. Just, yeah, just yeah. stoned to death. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it's at that point, like, look, there are two people equally to blame here. But at the end of the day, I understand the intent behind wanting to change the term, because especially as someone who really loves true crime, there are a lot, especially, I mean, all over time, but you, you get more 70s, 80s of uh, serial killers who got a lot of their start killing off prostitutes because no one cared. Mm. They were less than. They were unseen. The, they would go to the police and say, hey, I think it's this guy here. And they wouldn't take them seriously simply because of their profession. And that's not good. But once again, I wish yeah. they were never in that life to begin with. I don't want them to harm themselves that way. They deserve a lot better for themselves. But the the idea of them being seen as less than and then change this word and actually make it look like it's good, it goes way – it's too far of an overcorrection in my opinion. Yeah. I guess I guess when I look at it now, I'm like, okay, what's – when people ask me a question, I'm usually like, what's behind the question? There's a deeper question behind the question. Mm -hmm. And so when I see someone, you know, there's a couple scenes where um, you see Inara like – with a soldier, an Alliance soldier, and then he's leaving or he's with her in there as she's, you know, telecomming Malcolm. And he's like, oh, you're working. You got somebody there with you. He's jealous. You know, they're, they're working on all that stuff. But I'll, I, when I see that scene, I'm like, what brought, what drew that person to her? her is what is he longing for what is he hungering for is he hungering for companionship and true authentic relationship or he's just trying to have sex with a hot girl like i mean he's like is that what's really going on there or it's like what's behind what's behind the longing or the act itself and so again um we talked earlier about you know white supremacy and um you know the systems that go deeper deeper, deeper to why that exists in the first place, rather than just saying like a racist comment, what was the system around it? So again, I, I think it's analogous to here with, and when it comes to like an R's profession um, of sex work or sexuality and companionship, they call it being a companion. What what's behind it? What's the system? What are we longing for? Um, and, and you see that tension of jealousy between Malcolm and her and wanting mm -hmm. to have an authentic, exclusive relationship. Should they have a family? Should they not? Should they settle down? How could he be with her knowing that that's her job? And you know, could she be with him knowing that he's, you know, basically a, a, a thief and a thug, you know, <laughs> from others. so like, I, yes. I think that all goes into play. And those are, there's a good relationship to di dynamics about humans being in a relationship with another. And I think the conversation we shouldn't shy, just as we should not shy away from questions of how we treat our veterans and just war and systemic racism. We shouldn't shy away from questions of sexuality and, and the purpose and meaning of sex and, and what it does with us and for us. And, you know, the first commandment in the Bible in Genesis, be fruitful, multiply. First, yes. the first commandment is go have sex, y'all. Sorry, you know, cover your kids' ears as you <laughs> listen to this. Uh, but, it's a good thing. But, but look at it, it's a good thing. It's a gift. But then again, the stewardship of the earth, the stewardship of our relationship, the stewardship of our sexuality goes into a deeper conversation around these things. And, and again, man, a silly sci-fi show is getting us talking <laughs> about these things. Uh, but you look at the three female characters in the show, right? 
all right, you have Kaylee. Uh, she, she's, she, she is very, um, sexually active. Like, yeah, oh boy, she, she loves it. But she's also like a mechanic and like a hardcore mechanic and like get there and the, the grit of it. Then you have like River, who's like the soldier. And then you have Inara, who's like the, the pretty dressed in dresses and jewelry. And she's the companion. So you have these three different lead female characters in the show showing you different ways women are characterized, whether they're stereotyped or, or um, pigeonholed or not, but I think he's showing a broad way of like what it means to be a woman. And same way with the man on on the show to be male, like you have a doctor, you have a captain, you have a former soldier, you have a priest, like how they're portrayed. Um, I think I think yeah, I think it's great. He, he put his team together on that on that ship, the crew, and there's a lot of different um, ways to look at relationships and how you navigate the world through those relationships. Yeah, I think the point you made there about uh, the three women we get, um, uh, I apologize for the words I'm about to use. It's like the uh, it's like the Madonna whore complex, I think it is called. Mm. Uh, there's one, it's like child or ingenue or something like that. I'd have to look it up. But it, I mean, they essentially, the three of them fit those uh, stereotypes in that regard. You have, um, I mean, you could argue between Inara and Kaylee who would be the Madonna and the whore in that situation. So I'm sorry mm-hmm. for using this words. That's the actual term for this. Right, right, right. Um, but River would be that ingenue, that that childlike figure, uh, even though she is a woman, like she's innocent. She's more pure comparatively. Mm-hmm. So she's not looked at as that lustful sexual object as much as would be for other characters. Like uh, Inara would definitely in this situation once again uh, sorry for the word but she would be the whore in this situation and you get the madonna like uh, to an extent could be for kaylee of that this is the woman you should be seeking after even though it's a little twisted in that regard that she is very sex positive uh, Mm -hmm. for herself she goes after a bit more but comparatively speaking well one's more obvious about it so uh, i think also the issue of of objectification you know that that is a big big part of that um so Again, in terms of movies and comics and sci-fi, long history of of how women are portrayed. But but I think Josh was trying to move the needle a little bit to to not have it be such a stigma, taboo, objectification kind of vocation kind of thing, exploitative, and and try to see. But but again, uh, I'll, I'll say this show, yeah. 500 years in the future, no matter how much tech or what different labels we call certain vocations, humans are still going to be humans and they're still brokenness yes. and they're still going to wrestle with war and jealousy and, and their sexuality and whether uh, trust issues, all those things come come into play uh, because humans are going to be human no matter, no matter what. So well said, Will. Yeah. So, I mean, so before we get to wrap up, like if this show had kept going, what would you love, have liked to have seen? Yeah, I, I just want to see more character development. I think the movie tried to do that and in a lot of ways did do that. But but yeah, I don't know if yeah, it's so hard to tell. And with TV shows, he's I'm so jaded because just like, you know, Ted Lasso's three three seasons. And I don't know if I want it to go eight seasons because he's maybe one extra, but but yeah, I don't want to go too long because I wanted to wear out as welcome. So but yeah, at least two or three more seasons of fleshing out these characters and and having a finale and having some good villains and and bumping up against the alliance. They didn't have time to really really go there the comic books do that some and and the movie did do it but i i just would have seen i love these characters wanted to see more adventures you know what was what's the next adventure and this was also like episodic tv show where what's the next the job of the week the adventure of the week but with a little bit of backstory is is its style um and so um yeah let's see some adventures and see how they could have you know fleshed these characters out a little bit more yeah i think serenity gave me enough like there's definitely like there's always 
fanfic fuel would be the word some people would use. Be like, I could write more about this. See, you know, them doing another job here, or seeing like maybe they start some active rebellion against the alliance again, and we have a whole new independence movement. Like that'd be great. But uh, when we get to that serenity episode, which of course we have to do now, yeah, uh, I think there's a lot to discuss about where characters went, where where they could have gone if we had gotten more time with them. I definitely like. I'm with you. The characters. I want more of them. And like, I, I love fleshing out the world. That's one of my favorite things, but the characters I care more way more about than anything. Yeah. So we'll, yeah. Go ahead. I, uh, yeah, I would just, you just made me want to watch the movie again. I'm going to go find it <laughs> sometime soon. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to discuss before we wrap things up? No, no, it's a good show. Go watch it. Um, if you haven't seen it before, you can find it out there, but a, a lot of, a lot of fun. And I'm, again, I, I think it is kind of like, um, you know, maybe because it got canceled, is why it's so popular because there's so little of it that it didn't have enough time uh, to flesh out more. People got tired of it or got mad at it. It, it, it has this kind of cult following <laughs> because it was canceled because it's, there's not enough episodes to fill in. People, people love it. And so it's, it's a good thing to, to love because it, because, you know, we could be rebels and man, it got cut too short, but, but yeah. Well, how would you rate the show overall? I think overall for its time and then its endurance, uh, are we, are we talking like one to 10? Sure. Yeah. I give it an eight. Like I'm, it's okay. a strong eight for me. Like it's for me, it's not my favorite sci-fi of all time, but it's, it's up there in the conversation around like most popular sci-fi and what people, you know, in terms of the, the geekdoms and the fandoms and the comic cons, like it, it has a good following in it and rightfully so. So I give, I'll give it an eight. I fluctuate. Some days it's absolutely a 10 on my mind. Other days I'll think about something. I don't care about that much for that. It'd be a nine, five. So <laughs> I'll say nine, five for the sake of argument. Like go all the way down to six, but you went like nine, five. So there's, it fluctuates between nine, five and 10 for you. Like 9.7. I, I love the series, man. Yeah, that's good. That's a good recommendation. That's a good, that's a good grade. Well, speaking of recommendations, you kind of hinted at it before, but go ahead and tell us what your recommendation is for this episode. Yeah, my recommendation is um, uh, Josh, uh, Joss Whedon and uh, John Cassidy uh, run on Astonishing X-Men, my favorite comic book artist of all time, uh, or at least he's up there. And then the way Joss wrote the X-Men characters, my beloved X-Men characters uh, on that kind of reboot with Astonishing X-Men is some of the best X-Men comics ever. And and man, he, he brought back a beloved character. He killed off some others. He created some new ones. Uh, it's so good. That, that whole arc, uh, his whole run on that is is some of my favorite comics of all time. Yeah, that's a really good one to suggest. Uh, I will go on the video game side of things uh, to my Firefly fans, to my Fallout New Vegas fans. You want a mix of the two, essentially, uh, go out and uh, play The Outer Worlds. Like you get a little bit of both there. It's a great RPG. It's a great exploration game where you're going to these different worlds. You're doing these jobs. You got a great crew to assemble. You're killing monsters along the way too while you're facing down these corporations that control this star system you're in. It's a really fun game. Check it out. So guys, thanks for listening to this episode. Please, if you get the chance, just leave us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice. Really helps bring the flow, uh, flow of the show going to reach more people out there. You can also go ahead and head to our YouTube page, our Discord page, become a patron as well. If you got the money for that, don't worry if you don't. We still love you. And uh, as well, go ahead and you can suggest future episode topics on Discord because we're doing two fairly soon that were brought up. So I'm really excited about those. And remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests.
This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.